we're going to repeat the bell choir this morning uh, before, and then after we get done with the bell choir, then we'll release it to go over to Children's Church, okay? So uh, all the bell choir participants, if you'll come on down and get your bells and take your places, uh, we will go ahead and get that started. I want to welcome you to Facebook, and those who are logging into YouTube, glad to have you with us. I certainly want to wish you a happy new year. We'll have have a couple more bell ringers today than we had last week, so that's always a good thing. Thank you. 
This is the sing-along, folks, so if you'd like to sing along with it, it's... Uh, <laughs> Two hundred and eighty-seven in your songbooks. If you'd like to sing along, first two verses. Facebook and onto YouTube. 
good to have you with us as well. I want to invite you, uh, if you are physically able to be here in person for church, I'd like to invite you to come out beginning next Sunday for that as well. Because we know a new year has begun. Now, starting Tuesday, we'll see changes in our Congress uh, as the balance of power has shifted and the, the leadership will be changing. And it's let's be in prayer that we see change and not just another two years of the same old thing, just different names. So let's be in prayer for that. Maybe you've resolved to make some changes for 23. Uh, resolutions are okay. Common ones we all know about, lose weight, exercise more, eat healthier, uh, spend more quality time, less work time, and all those are good goals. Certainly nothing wrong with those. But this morning I want to ask a question and, and give us some targets to, uh, for this coming year. And the question is, what are you shooting for in 23? The suggested targets, we'll get into that now. Now I know you're saying, oh no, here he goes again. Uh, he's going to encourage me to read my Bible more, pray more, and to do more. Well, you're right. I'm going to encourage you to do all three of those things, but also some other things as well. And it's all going to be according to Scripture. So if you've got pen and paper and want to write these down, it's just something that's a little reminder through the coming year. It'll be a good one to do that with as we go through these targets. Uh, maybe it's something that you need to work on, certainly. And the first one, just as you suspected, is to read your Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, Paul is writing this young preacher, Timothy, as he's beginning to, to start his ministry. And one of the things that he encourages him in verse 15, it says, To study, to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now I know some of you, uh, probably a good many of you, read your Bibles every day. And I know also some of you never read your Bible. And some of you are somewhere in between. Some of you just read the scripture that I send out on the devotion each and every morning, and that's your Bible reading for the day. And no matter what category you fit in, just as Paul encourages Timothy to study, so do I. I encourage you to study God's Word because it will equip us with everything that we need to get through any day that this world throws at us. Now, Chris has announced that she's starting and inviting anyone that wanted to to join in a Read the Bible Through in a Year program. She has copies of the schedule out on the table there at the top of the steps. I encourage you, if you're not already committed to do that, to maybe do that. Some of you have Bibles that you read through in a year, that it gives you the certain scriptures that you read each and every day. And that's fine to follow along with that pattern as well. But I encourage you to do that. Have you ever read through the Bible in a year? That's just a question to answer for yourself. It's, it's fun to do, and it's interesting to do. Uh, so I ask, why not this year? Why not make this year the year that you read through your Bible? Because what are you going to miss? An episode of Andy? Scrolling through 50 Facebook posts? Hmm? Uh, it's another challenge I want to make to you. Uh, for those of you that uh, are fond of, of spending a lot of time on, on uh, social media, I want to challenge you to spend equal amount of time. And I know your cell phones has this usage thing here, OK? 
subjective. Mine pops up every week and tells me how many hours a day I use my phone. I want to challenge you that if your phone says that you've been using social media for five hours a day, you read your Bible for five hours a day. Now that's a challenge that I take seriously. Because if we can devote that much time to worrying about other people's lives and other people's posts and going on, then surely we can devote that much time to God's Word and how it affects our own life. Amen. So, equal time. Facebook, whatever other social media you may use, God's Word. That'll leave you ample time. Uh, matter of fact, I'm quite sure if we devoted as much time to reading our Bible as we do reading Facebook posts, you would read through the Bible about 17 times in the course of the year, okay? And that's sad when we think about that. It's funny, but it's sad that we spend that little time in the Word of God and say, oh, I really don't have time to read my Bible. I'll leave that up to you in the Lord. Should you read your Bible Improve your prayer life. Over in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and I thought it was uh, uh, not interesting, but I just thought it was uh, a work of the Lord. We heard this scripture earlier this morning out of Matthew, chapter 6. Brother Harold read it. Uh, verse 5 through 15. Matthew 6, 5 through 15. Jesus teaching on prayer. And when thou prayest, now notice Jesus didn't say if thou prayest. He says when thou prayest. Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, and that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father which is seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions, as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. And after this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And we can use this model prayer that Jesus teaches people to model our prayers. First, we come to God with reverence of who he is, as Jesus did. And then we come to him knowing that he supplies our needs, knowing that his will will be done upon this earth, regardless of what my will is, God's will will be done. And we should always be trying in our prayers to align our wills with His. And that's one way we can improve our prayer life. Asking Him to forgive us where we fail, but also forgiving those who failed against us, those who may have sinned against us. 
asking him to lead us with wisdom so that we might not succumb to temptation. So that we may not fail him in another way. And again, acknowledging that it is his kingdom and it is his power and it is his glory which we do everything. So improve your prayer life. Don't let your motivation be for people to see and pray, but that God hears you pray. Prayer is a very intimate, private matter. It's the most personal thing that you can do in your relationship with God. There's no need to chant something over and over and over because he says that God knows what we need before we ask. You can just kind of put it to the mind of a, of a little child that maybe asked you the same question 17 times before you can actually get the answer out. Just chanting, chanting, chanting is useless. And it's not from the heart. It's from a lustly kind of desire. Here's another teaching about Jesus, on, from Jesus on prayer. Chapter 5, verses 44 and 45. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them which hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. You ever think about that? A sincere prayer. When's the last time you had a sincere prayer for someone who treated you poorly? When's the last time you had a sincere prayer for someone who upset you greatly? Or done something to you that caused you pain. And I'm not talking about sincerely praying that the Lord caused them to fall down and break both legs. I'm talking about something more along the lines that says, God, open their hearts to your word. Open their hearts to realize that they're on the wrong path. or That's on the path that's contrary to your word. Help me, Lord, to forgive them. Give me that spirit. That's the kind of prayer I think Jesus is talking about here. And if we look on over in chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. For what man is there whom is his son asked for bread? Will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, he will give him a serpent. If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give you good things to them that ask him? Oftentimes we don't have because we don't ask. And we're getting ready to look here at James and see sometimes that we ask, as he says, amiss. But that's the thing about it. We know that God is good and we, we sing these praises but are we convinced in our hearts that whenever I pray to God, he is going to do something good for me that would be within his will, the thing that is his will and a good gift. He says that if, a, if your child asks for bread, you're not going to hand them a snake. Do you think God would treat us any differently? Do you think if we ask for bread that he would hand us a snake? No. And that's what Jesus is saying. If we seek out and are hungry, whether it be physically or spiritually, God is going to provide. It may not be a T-bone steak dinner that we had on our minds, but he will give us food. Look over in James chapter 4 with me, verses 3 through 10. 
And James here is coming down pretty hard on, on Christians that, well, they're just not doing things the way that they should. But he gives them direction. Chapter 4, verses 3 through 10. He says, You ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulterers, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain that the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn, and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Listen, if you invite darkness into your life in 2023, guess what's going to enter your life in 2023? Darkness is coming. You're not resisting the devil. You're inviting the devil. I'm not going to tell you by what method you can do that. You know those already. You know those things that turn you away from God to the things that should be, the things of the world. James here plainly tells us to resist the devil and he'll flee from us. If we try to draw near to God, he's going to draw near to us. Now, he's also writing to people that's kind of laughing about the sin that they think they've got away with. There's a danger to that, folks, and that's what he's saying. That that laughter should be turned to mourning because you've not gotten away with anything. Oh, you may not have, have any kind of worldly trouble right at this time, but rest assured, on the day of judgment, that's going to come back. We have to take care of those things. The Scripture plainly tells us we have to take care of things where we know that we have done wrong. And that's another thing about our prayer life. We have to pray. We have to pray knowing and opening ourselves up to God's will. We have to submit ourselves, resist the devil, draw near to God, and humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. And what will he do? When we humble ourselves, what does the verse 10 say in their last, last words? He shall lift you up. And that's what we should be seeking in our prayer life, is to be lifted up by God, not pulled down by the world. When we open up ourselves to darkness, rest assured, darkness will enter in. So improve your prayer life. That's what I encourage you to Come to the Lord in prayer with pure motives, not lustly desires. There's another one in Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 and 36. 25, 35, and 36 is the ending of the section of Jesus' teaching about service. For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. And I was in prison and you came unto me. What's he saying here to us? That we should serve other people. And that's one thing that I can say and I'm proud to say. That this congregation does really well. Because here what we see, hunger. 
without clothing, without daily essentials, needing housing or visitation in prison. All those things are needs that still need to be met today in this very world that we live in. Basic needs. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. If you, go, if you read this teaching, this section where he's teaching, because there are people saying, Oh, did we not prophesy their name and do many wonderful things in your name, Lord, and, and do all these outward things for the world to see that I'm a Christian? But Jesus says, mm, You didn't come visit me. You didn't give me food when I was hungry. You didn't give me clothes when I was naked. You didn't take me in when I was a stranger. You didn't help me when I was sick. You didn't visit me in prison. Those are the things that Jesus calls for us to do, is to go out and meet people's basic needs, not walking around proud, holding up a banner of our own service, look at what I'm doing for the Lord. He would much prefer that you do the things that Jesus says here. You do a good job of it as a congregation. Now, just because we do a good job doesn't mean for those of you that are not serving in some capacity, does not have a job to do, because there's plenty to do. There's plenty of areas for you to serve, all kinds of stuff for you to do. And I want to encourage you that if you are serving, if you're currently serving, continue. Good job. Continue moving forward. And if you're not serving, if you're being a spectator and watching everyone else, get involved. Get involved with the service of the Lord. That's what we're called to do because if we're going to be called Christians, we must, listen to that, be called servants. Because that's what Jesus said, wasn't it? He said, I came here for you all to serve me. Nope, that's not what he said. He said he came to serve and not to be served. So if we're going to be called Christians, we have to be willing to call ourselves a servant. So serve others. Meet those needs. Now that's the three that you was expecting. Okay, I've got those out of the way. Now I've got seven more. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. We oftentimes don't even think about this. We put very little thought to this, <clears throat> sadly. But it's easy to not. Jesus said unto them, Love, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, and with all of my, thy mind. Do you? Do you love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind? That's the first and greatest commandment, Jesus says. It's the thing that we should be most devoted to is loving God with all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all of our minds. Everything and everyone else is secondary. Do you understand that? Secondary. Are you completely devoted? Because heart, soul, and mind doesn't leave much room for anything else. Look on down there in verse 39 for your next one. And the second, he says, is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. How do you feel about your neighbor? Do you even know your neighbor? That's a bad thing about the time that we live in, don't we? Especially coming off these past couple of years because we've all been told to stay far, far away from one another. Don't communicate with each other. Certainly don't come in kind of any kind of physical contact with each other. But how can you love your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor? And I'm talking about generally the person that lives next door across the street, but I'm also talking about the person that you meet. Jesus says it's the second greatest commandment. Like unto loving God with all of your heart, soul, and mind is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. <coughs> Do you love your neighbor? 
about Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25? I wore soft shoes today that don't have real sharp pointy points, okay? Just telling you that right up front. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. How many times have we heard people say, in the very times that we've just come out of and are going through, it wouldn't surprise me to see the Lord come any day. Have you heard people say that? Have you said it yourself? What was just written here in the book of Hebrews? So much more as you see the day approaching. We ourselves will sit and say, and I have myself said that I don't believe that my generation will pass away before Christ returns. If I live to be an average age, I honestly believe that. So the day is approaching. Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. It's time to get back to being in church, folks. And you're here today, and I'm tickled to death, so I'm preaching at the choir, aren't I? I'm tickled to death that you're here. We're called to follow the direction of the elders. That's how the church is set up. That's how Christ set it up. And let me say this. The elders of Locust Grove Christian Church, long before I was ever born, set up the pattern of worship for this congregation. Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday. And other times when appointed. Vacation Bible schools. Now, uh, the Bible release time. For those that are involved in that. Listen, COVID, and I know that there's there's a resurgence. We're gonna live, we're gonna have to live with COVID. Okay. We're gonna have to live with flu, we're gonna have to live with RSV, we're gonna have to live with whatever the next virus that comes up. It's time for us, and we've learned how to do this, folks. We've learned how to do this. Look back and think about how we do things differently. And that's fine. It's time to get back to church. It's time to get off this Facebook, and I'm not, and for those folks that are watching Facebook and YouTube, I realize some of you are not physically able to get back into church. I understand that, and that's not what I'm addressing. I'm addressing those that are physically able to be here for whatever reason they choose not to come to church. You have gotten out of the habit of coming to church, or church no longer means anything more to you than something that to do when you don't have something else to do. That's exactly what the world would have you to do, folks. That's exactly what the devil wants you to think. Is that you don't have to come to church because I can watch it on Facebook if I've got time. Or if you don't scroll through something else while you're listening to the sermon, whoever you listen to. It's not a replacement. It's not a substitute for being together with brothers and sisters in Christ. Receiving the prayers and the encouragement from real human beings within the same proximity as yourself. It's not the same doing the Lord's Supper whenever we do it together as a corporation, as a corporate church, a body of believers taking the, the broken body and the shed blood, the, the influence. It's not the same. It's time to get back to church. It's time to destroy idols, Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. It's on my business card. It's time to destroy the idols. You know, that's something else that the pandemic and all the stimulus stuff brought along. Ushered in the whole era of idols for people with these stimulus checks. 
want to go out and go to buy a lot of this stuff. We want to go out and enjoy it. That's fine to go out and enjoy that stuff. But now that you're idle, is it an object of worship? Money, popularity, cool gadgets, a home, your significant other. These things direct our devotion away from the things of God and put them on the things of the world. We have to fix our eyes again back upon God and his service. He's a jealous God. He will not accept being put behind anything or anyone. Hebrews chapter 13, again, verse 5. Be satisfied with what you have. Let your conversations be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What more do we need? God said that. Jesus said that. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. God, the creator of the universe, you know him, right? He says that to us. He gives us that promise. Why can we not be satisfied with the things that we have? That's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us to do. To be thankful and grateful for all of God's blessings. Not worried about what other people have. Is it the right thing for Christians to grumble about what they have? Is it right to do that for Christians? I hear Christians grumbling about things. I'm not talking about here necessarily, but around the community. I hear people grumbling. You know, the children of Israel grumbled one time when they had been brought out of Egypt. So give us meat to eat. We're tired of this old manna. And what happened? God gave them so many quail that came out their nostrils because it offended him so. Because people were grumbling about the supply that God had given them to the point that he, he became angry and upset because of our ingratitude. Be happy with what we got, folks. If God's blessed you with, with whatever, and I'm not knocking anything, okay? Be happy with what you got. That's what we're called to be as Christians. The world's not satisfied. The world is who pursues and pursues and pursues and pursues, not the Christian. Be devoted. Here's another one. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25. Oh, Rob is going there. Be devoted to God's plan for marriage. Be devoted to God's plan for marriage. Wives, submit yourselves and to your husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, let also the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. God's word is very clear, very, very clear on how the marriage relationship is ordained to work. The world, listen, the world has polluted the planet. The world has polluted the planet. It's diluted the planet. 
It said things that the Bible does not say about marriage. It says things about individual conduct that God's word does not say about individual conduct in a marriage. All right? So that's what we have to understand. Husbands and wives have equal roles and responsibilities in following God's plan for marriage. The scripture is very clear as to the dangers of not following God's plan in your marriage. And if you're following closer to the world's pattern for marriage than you are to God's, let me encourage you, whether you've been married 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, or seven months, let me encourage you to make 2023 the year that you get in God's word about marriage and you follow his plan. Because you realize that the divorce rate between Christians and non-Christians is exactly the same. 50% of Christian marriages end in divorce and so do 50% of non-Christian marriages. Why? Because they don't follow God's plan for marriage. They try to follow the world's plan for marriage and, and then mesh, mesh in Christianity. And it does not work. Period. So follow God's plan. Be devoted to God's plan for marriage. Look on over in verse chapter 4, verse 29. I'm going to get a little personal here with you. 429. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or lifting someone up or encouraging someone, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Clean up your mouth. It doesn't matter if it's you're with the guys at work. And listen, I've worked places where it was, I don't know, almost an art for guys to cuss. They worked at it, trying to add new ways to cuss into a regular conversation. There is no room in the mouth of a Christian man, Christian woman, or Christian child for foul language. We're called... As he says right here, Paul writes, Let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Remember that the next time you splurt out some kind of big long string of cuss words. That as Christians, we're called to make our speech something that lifts people up and that it may minister grace. Okay? You can't minister grace cussing like a Satan. Now, I don't care if it's if you've got a bad temper. If you've got a bad temper and you start cussing because of your temper, you know what you need to work on? You need to work on your temper. God can help you do that. You have to have the desire to do it. You have to want to change to become more like Christ. Does Rob know that it's 10 after 12? Yes, he does. I'm just about done. Okay? Just about done. Last one. The most important one, in fact. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. If you're not a Christian, 2023, I want to encourage you to make the year, make this the year that that changes. Make this the year that Christ comes into your life. 
Jesus said that he came to seek and save that which was lost. If you do not, if you're sitting in this room today, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook today, and you do not have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are the lost that he came to seek and to save. You don't have the option to follow the world's plan for salvation. You have to follow God's plan for salvation. And I want to encourage you to strongly consider that as the coming year. To seek out his word. Hear it. Believe it. Allow it to lead you to confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, repenting of your sin. Be buried with him in baptism so that you may receive the forgiveness of sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide you the rest of your life. Raise that new creation. Looking forward to the day that Christ returns. But you know there's something else that we also should look forward to when we accept Christ as our Savior. The change that comes about us. The change that the Holy Spirit affects in us. Amen. How that we no longer do the, the things in, that we used to do in the past. How we do things in the future that we never did before. All of those things for the glory of God. So we have that to look forward to as well. So I encourage you, this list that I've given, maybe you need to work on some of that. Maybe you don't. Maybe there's other areas that I've missed, and I wasn't going to try to go through everything. But let's go through some things that seems to be pretty popular, but seems to be also needed. Maybe you need to work on them. Maybe it's accepting Christ. If you've got questions, ask. You can't get an answer unless you ask the question. If you need to rededicate yourself, if you need to work on some of these in your life as a Christian, do that. Make 2023 the year that you've turned your life around and serve God to the best of your ability. That's my prayer for you. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation, Pass Me Not, verse 1 and 2. And I want to encourage you to come as we stand and we sing. Verse 1 and 2, 167, Pass Me Not.